Welcome to Beyond, conversations with artists, makers, explorers who have gone outside of the norm to create their own true world, to sing their own precious song. Each of us was born with a song inside, but most will die having never sung it. Imagine if, as a little child, instead of being asked, what will you do when you grow up? What will you be? Or what kind of job will you get when you grow up? If instead you are told, now is the time to listen. As you grow, listen for the sounds of your song. The song that comes from your blood, your bones, your people. Listen for the melody, the verses, the tune. And when you hear your song, sing it. Imagine that kind of world. That's the kind of world I'm devoted to building. I am your host, Daphne Cohn, the creator of multiple online programs, courses, and within a community for artists, makers, and writers dedicated to the courage and practice of singing their own song. I ask you, are you ready to sing your own song? Are you ready to go beyond? A few quick words about Illumin, which is the free Sacred Creativity Hour, Monday through Friday on Zoom, and it's simply a time to make. It's a quiet time, so if you tend to be more introverted like me and don't necessarily want to enter a talkative space, then this is perfect for you. We come on, we are quiet, I offer an opening blessing, an artist prayer, and then we make each in our own space, but together. And then I close with a closing blessing. It is a holy space. It is a space completely devoted to you and your art. Whatever your art may be, it might be writing, reading, painting, drawing, knitting, crafting. It can be anything. So if you're interested, you can go to illuminhour.com to learn more. My guest today is Anna Lovind. This is Anna's second time on the podcast. Anna is an edgewalker, dancing with the wild, beckoning towards the unknown, digging into the uncharted to open eyes, shift sands, and create new. She is as wise as she is brave, as honest as she is strong. Anna is a writer, creativity teacher, and mother, She's the author of The Creative Doer and the founder of The Creative Doer Community and Ignite. Anna writes, quote, about writing, feminism, learning to say holy yes and fuck no, sisterhood, motherhood, and her quest to redefine the creative path. Anna is a gift of a human, and it is an honor to share her with you a second time on this podcast. Some things that we talk about are the healing power of honesty and the vulnerability backlash, going against the business advice to follow what's true, how to, simplify, how to simplify, slow down, and tune in, prioritizing inner work in order to do the outer work, dealing with fear and broadening your capacity for discomfort, and doing the work that you are here to do no matter what. You can learn more about Anna and her work at AnnaLovine.com, and you can catch up on all past episodes at DaphneCone.com. And as always, everything is in the show notes. May this conversation inspire you to go within to the raw, wild expanse of mystery that is your beating heart, vibrating body, pulsing life in order to go beyond to utter the sacred, the holy. Your words dance 
painting art. Hello, Anna. Welcome to Beyond the Podcast. Your second Hi, Yes. So um, there are so, this is such an interesting time as we were just speaking to, because as I've mentioned in the last couple of podcast episodes, that the focus right now for me in my personal life and my work life is what is it? What is this world that I want to create? And how am I stepping into that? What does that look like? What is that? What are the practical pieces of that? What are the, the courageous pieces? What is the letting go, the softening, the opening as creators? Because we have this power, each one of us, to imagine, dream up the world we want to be in and then begin to live into it. And what's so fascinating about the timing of this interview, this conversation is that we are, you are in the midst of actively, very actively creating this world. One of the things that you had said, maybe it was just a few weeks ago, I don't even know, you had written, my business is at a crossroads. I honestly don't even know what's beyond this week. More on that later. And then you said, I thought 2021 was an earthquake in terms of how it broke my life to pieces and reorganized it. And now here we are in 2022. And this was before you had shared what you then went on to share with your community in your newsletter and then on Instagram. So I would love it, even though we're diving right in. I feel like it's important to start here because like I said, we don't know where it's going to go. So if you could share a little bit about not where you're at right now, but where you were a week, two weeks ago. Yes, it's been, hmm. it's been swift change in just a few weeks time. And also not as always, because uh, life, you know, looking back, we always see where things like how the threads are leading us to where we are. But a few weeks ago, I was still quite confident in um, my ability to launch, do another launch of uh, my uh, course and community, The Creative Doer, as I have done many times before, and bring in a fairly predictable amount of revenue and um, from there keep going with my business. I've been taking a break during winter uh, due to health issues, uh, both for me and for my children. And so I needed, you know, to start again, to bring in the money and, and to get going. And I was, wasn't too worried about that. Uh, but then it turned out, that launch didn't go as planned at all. Uh, and I've heard this now in the couple of weeks since from many online entrepreneurs that 
there is a lot of unpredictability right now. So I don't think this is just me, but I wasn't prepared for it. And the numbers weren't as expected and the money wasn't enough all of a sudden. Uh, and at the same time, I'd been in conversation with uh, a wonderful investor who, who was interested, who is interested in, in stepping into my business and collaborating and so on, which would also mean an infusion of um, capital, money. Um, and this had, for, for completely different reasons, had to be paused. And so all of a sudden I found myself in a situation where I had depleted most of uh, available capital in the business during my sick leave. And not being able to replenish them uh, the way I planned to and still feeling like still being in a place of healing, uh, not having my usual strength and uh, privately being in the process of separating from my life partner since almost 20 years and stepping into life as a single mother and the sole breadwinner in my house. And all of this just sort of came together like this perfect storm of, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, unexpected events. And uh, so I found myself facing, I am still facing the risk of uh, uh, having to close my business of bankruptcy, basically, for the business, uh, which is a huge deal of course for anyone who faced that and uh, for me right now because like I said I this is my livelihood this is how I provide for me and my kids and uh, there's also this issue of uh, the legal rights to my work all the work I've done you know for more than a decade now now my book of course is all those uh, brands that I've created and that legally counts as assets in my business. So if I lose the business, then I run the risk of losing also all my work, which is terrifying, of course. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's the short version of what happened, what brought me to where I am right now today. Okay, so we're going to get into that in a minute. And the reason I wanted you to share with uh, share this is not, as one might think, for like the drama factor, like mm. the bearing all. It's like what moves me the most in this moment and what I... Just... Mm. what has it's it's so up for me so it's part of the yeah. reason there's so much emotion is because just last night I was telling my husband that sometimes this it's like this um it's not that I don't want to be here but I don't 
always feel so alive in the being here. And I wonder Mm. about that. And in the course of the conversation, one of the things that came out was what I hunger for so deeply, both in myself and others is just honesty, living in an honest world. And that means so many things and that's such a huge word and it's used in many different ways, but the sharing of your story, it doesn't matter to me if what you were saying was, oh my gosh, I was wildly successful beyond anything I dreamed, or oh my gosh, this is what I'm facing around my money. It's what happens when we are honest, Mm. what happens when we tell what is true for us in the moment without it having to become more than what is just right now in the moment. So, um, I'm, uh, so we begin this conversation from this place where I just already am so deeply grateful for your honesty as a human. And, and then I think what is so amazing. And I know that, like you said, you're, you're still, you're in this right now. And what I've seen from the outside is this outpouring of what I would call really radical love because you shared this with your community and then just how did your community respond yes I realized that the only way I I could see that I would be able to pull through the situation was to ask for help which is something that I do try to do. I do try to be intentional about that because I think it's such an important part of the sustainable life. But nevertheless, it's it's very difficult and very vulnerable to to share about such a tender situation and, and one situation that a lot of people would interpret as a failure, uh, and to do so with quite a number of people not knowing exactly how it would land and so on but I did because I did feel this is this is the only way that was the guidance I kept getting just tell them tell them exactly like it is so I did and I mean for the overwhelming majority uh, the responses have been incredibly loving and uh, uh, supportive. And um, many have expressed what you just expressed, that there is healing in just the honesty, uh, just watching someone speak the truth about what is going on in, in, in life and what is difficult and what is challenging and so on. Um, There has been some, you know, pushback and because people project all sorts of things on a situation like this. And um, and that's mostly okay, because I I feel I stand pretty rooted and steady in my own conviction that this is how I live, this is how I do life. I know for a fact that I I can't really 
communicate in any other way. It has always been like this. I share what is true for me, what is I share from my life. Uh, I don't think everyone has to do that, but that's how it works for me. And uh, so I stand by that. I have, I haven't always, but I do now. And I, I do see that this has sort of ignited this wave of support and um, connection. I, I still don't know for sure that I will be able to meet those financial goals. I'm not there yet. And I like not everyone is able to help financially or commit to like getting involved with my work or anything like that, but people can express support in different ways. And there's something like when, when you choose to just walk through a situation like this, uh, not pretending, not trying to dress it up to look like something it's not, there is nothing to protect, so to speak. There is nothing to uh, justify or there's, there's a lightness to it that comes from just telling the truth and allowing other people to respond to that as they choose. I do not add the burden to myself of uh, trying to keep up appearances or trying to sort of save the situation single-handedly. I would have tried to do that before because the shame of asking for help would have been more than I can handle. I, my capacity to handle discomfort is, is a lot bigger these days, but now I feel that relief. There's a grace in just allowing myself to be exactly what I am, where I am, and to be seen in that. It, it's also uncomfortable and scary and, and very tender. Like it's, it's, it's like I wrote in that newsletter that it's like standing in front of people without clothes. But yeah, it's worth it. It's 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 the way forward for me. And speaking of what you said, just as we started out about creating the world as we want it to be. Well, this is how I want it to be. I want it to be a place where I speak the truth for sure, but also where it's absolutely a given that we can ask for support when we need it and we will be supported not always or necessarily in the way that we would prefer or hope for, but that there will always be support and that we will rise for each other when needed. And that community, that's the whole point of community. Yeah. I think I mean, in a lot of, perhaps in the online spaces, particularly that word community has almost been commodified. Um, 
which is a risk. I mean, I run a community and, and charge for it. So that's that's not necessarily the problem. But what I mean is we call something community that isn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily show those traits or, or have that quality of care that I'm talking about. So, but, but it does seem that my community does, because they have risen to, to my ask for help in, in, a, in an incredible way. And it also speaks to how we so often want to help. Like there is that yeah. in us, this desire to help each other. So this myth that's been perpetuated that we are individuals who are meant to create create our success on our own and we applaud certainly in the United States, this strong individualism and, and ability mm. that that actually goes against this instinct that I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I can, I certainly see it in many to want to help, to want to give back, to want to be part of something and not do it alone. And this, what you're talking about is such a phenomenal example of that how as you put this out and then it was just person after person after person sharing about the creative doer community, sharing about your work and the impact that you have had on their lives. And there's also a couple women who started a GoFundMe. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's all on their own initiative. Yeah. Like we, we want to serve each other. Yeah, and, I think so too. Yeah. So going through this, does how does this impact your vision of, of what you think is possible, what you believe is possible, what you want to, to work on moving forward? Mm. Mm, well, it... Right now, I am pretty short-sighted. Um, I'm going to have to say that because I'm still very focused on uh, getting my business and myself across that financial goal line. Mm, I have an actual deadline. I need to bring in money by a certain date to, to make it through this challenge. So I am very focused on that. But already... This situation has prompted me uh, to create a new offering that in many ways, it mirrors a need in myself and in that I've seen in others as well. Um, and that I believe is something that I will build more on going forward. And it's it has to do with the offer itself is just the simplest possible kind of membership where we meet weekly for what I call a council or a live call. And that's it. <laughs> and all like I've sort of gone straight against all the business advice of adding things, adding more. 
uh, adding complexity, adding layers, adding, you know, I've just removed and removed and removed. And someone said, like, before I'd launched this, I said, well, I mean, that's basically <laughs> a glorified podcast. How are you even going to charge for this? And and it's just, first of all, I've been nudged and guided to create this since quite some time, but I haven't done it because I felt like just another thing to do that I didn't really believe in uh, from a strategic point of view. Uh, but I did now. And uh, it has had a lot of resonance for those exact reasons. So many of us are tired at this point right now, collectively. Yeah. Uh, for so many reasons, like coming out of a pandemic, a world in turmoil with climate crisis and war and political unrest on so many different arenas. And, and we are tired. We are saturated with information, too much information. We are, uh, you know, connected to our devices way more than is probably healthy and uh, like what we what i long for and what i hear other people long for as well is that simplicity is connection but not all the things that come with it usually is like <laughs> the absolute simplicity of just gathering and then returning to one's own life, gathering to get a dose of fuel, connection, inspiration, some nourishment to help get you through the week and to help you deepen in your own life and your own work and so on. And nothing more. And I have a great longing for that. Like for me as a consumer oh my god that's such a charged word but but let's just go with that as if i'm considering a course or something like that in any topic that i'm interested in like if i look through it and there are like ten thousand bonuses and one new lesson a week and so on i it's that's i can't take that on it's too much for me right now my life is too full i'm too tired and so on so I'm really looking for that quality of spaciousness. And I am also needing it very much in my own life and in my business. So for me personally, if I get through this, this challenge, this crisis that I'm in, that simplicity is something that I will prioritize even more going forward. Yeah. You know, this whole... <laughs> There's so much in the online world about how a business is supposed to be built, what the goals we should strive for are, what success looks like, how to scale, how to grow, how to build a team and all of that. And I've tried that, uh, had some success, but mostly I've just burned out and I've just come to the conclusion that actually that doesn't fit me at all. It doesn't fit the life I want at all. And so I'm really interested in exploring, like, how simple can I make this and, and still have it be sustainable from a financial point of view? And, you know, that's that's what I'm interested in now. Not how big can I get, but how simple can I yeah. make it? 
It's so interesting because I was just yesterday, I was working on my website's fine. And, and yet I was like, you know, I just want to strip everything down. I mm. just want it. I, I don't care if it's not how websites are supposed to be or all. I just want it stripped down. And it's interesting because every morning I have this gathering called a lumen well morning for me. And it's, it's had this incredibly profound impact on my life. It's free and we gather and we make for an hour. That's it. Whoever wants to come, come. I open with a blessing and an, a prayer and then close with a blessing. There's, we're muted while we make, there's no conversation. And I've had at times a few thoughts in my head, like, oh, maybe I should open it for a conversation. Oh, maybe I should have an extra time where we talk and like, and I keep hearing no, no. <clears throat> Just come and make in quiet, just that, like to have the spaces. And so your offering, which is Ignite, mm -hmm. this coming together, nothing extra. We come together to be together, yeah. that's it. And like you say, it gives this nourishment for the rest of the week this way of connecting in such a way that it sustains at a time yeah. when, like you're saying, Anna, that we are tired. <laughs> yeah. We are collectively tired. And I think about how could we not be because we hold the world within us. And so our world is, is torn up inside. And how are we not tired in the midst of that? So to be able to have spaces where we come together and just nourish without yeah. all the expectation, without all the bonuses, without all the, oh, and this is how I'm going to transform you. And this is who you're going to mm. like, just we come, we gather, and then we go back into our lives. So I love this. I love that that's what Ignite is. Um, as soon as I read it, that you were offering that, I was like, yes. <laughs> yes so um and, yeah, and, and yeah go on no I was just thinking like um it's about gathering just like you said but it, another another aspect of it is also like I'm not going to teach anyone likely not <laughs> anything new that's not the purpose of it but what I will do uh my purpose with it is to help us remember what we already know, uh, who we already are, and so on, so that we can sort of stay connected to that. And when we lose track, we come back, gather, and remember. And we do that over and over because we do forget. That's, that's just a human way, I think. And that's also part of it, I think, to... Sure, I have lots to teach, and, and I do that in, in other arenas and for good reason and so on. But there's something also about recognizing that many of us, we don't need more information. We don't need another degree or certification or uh, another blueprint or plan or whatever. We just need to come back to what already is all the resources and capacities we already have and see if we can't ignite that, you know, <laughs> that, that's where the name came from actually, and to fuel that, to, to um, keep that fire alive and, and see what happens then. 
I feel like that's that's such an important difference for me to yeah. just fuel what already is. Yeah, and I think that speaks to part of the exhaustion actually that a lot of people mm. are feeling is yeah. There's so many teachers, like you said, so much information. And so that brings me back to this, the simplifying. And also you've mentioned a few times, like initially with the, the sharing of where your business is at, this guidance of tell them, tell them, and then the guidance to create, ignite, despite the fact that some people, it goes against what maybe you've learned mm. in terms of business strategy. And I'd, I'd like you to talk about like where, if you find that as you simplify, if you hear how that, how that impacts the guidance, like how it, how it affects your ability to hear the guidance, if it affects it at all, if it changes um, your ability to both hear it and respond to it and, and simplify can also be the way that you return to nature as well. Mm. Yes, it, it has everything to do with that, I think. To simplify is, is for me, practically in my life and in my business, it, it, it has to do with reducing the amount of tasks and uh, admin and, and all the doing that is more or less mindless, the busy work to make space for more of that. There's always in whatever work we do, especially creative work, like half of it is the inner work, at least half of it. Uh, and that sort of almost always gets to take the back seat because we're so focused on the outer doing. Um, all the things that, you know, the productivity, the planning, the scheduling, the oh, the hacks, all the things. It's understandable. And some of that is needed and useful. We do need structure. But all those things that we tend to down-prioritize are actually the things that create the foundation for that outer work that solid connection to the work that co-creative process that i'm always talking about um, that capacity to listen to guidance because that is a capacity just like it is a capacity to hold discomfort and to be able to receive support and all of those things that is a matter of capacity that is something that we can cultivate and we can learn to hold more and to be able to channel more and to be able to grow with the work and, and grow into people who can do work on a different level. So, so part of that simplifying for me is to make more space for that, that aspect of the work. But, you know, it takes such a long time to grow into these things sometimes, to unlearn all the things that we have learn from just being in our world and, and because everything focuses on the outer work here in our culture so to, to really come to a place where 
I understand what it is fully. It's embodied. I can see the direct relationship between whether I do that work or not and whether my outer work is sustainable and whether it flows or not, what the quality of it is, how it is received and so on. And I have been very busy doing so much for such a long time, you know, and I have a lot of compassion for myself when I look look back because I've done a lot of work and uh, I've built a lot and I've had a lot of pressure to bring in uh, bring in the money and all of that. So I understand that, but it's also I've come to a point where it's like, no, <laughs> but I can't do that anymore. It's not worth it. I just need to find a simpler way to do it. I just need to find a way to shift where where my focus is, I suppose, from the outside work to the inside work and, and more let the outside work flow from that inner work. That feels like the, the edge and, and where there's energy for me right now. Yes, yes, I totally, I hear that. And I want to explore a little bit more this idea of the more discomfort we can hold the like that we create more from that space that the that there's more fuel first of all explain a little more about what you mean by that that as we can hold more discomfort it creates more space well everyone who's tried to do work that is close to their hearts creative work that matters to them and so on have have come up against fear that is an unavoidable part of the creative journey and most of us don't really know how to handle fear our focus is most often to get over it to find that key somehow that will allow us to get rid of the fear so that we can then carry on without it and do our work. And we have this idea that if we're just free from the fear, we will be able to move forward and grow and be visible and, and all those things that we hold ourselves back from. And what I have found to be true is that the fear never goes away really. Um, we grow and the things that we feared a few years ago might not be the same that we feared today, but if we continue to grow, we will always come up against a growth edge, a new challenge, a new layer of vulnerability or exposure or whatever it is that, that triggers it in us. And the only way really to keep going sustainably through that kind of uh, intense work is to learn how to hold space for that fear to have it be present and not stop you to have it be present and still be able to keep going it's not at all about getting over it or pushing it away or winning over it nothing like that it's to have it be present and when i say it it's usually a part of us that feels fear and to allow that part of us to be present and be part of uh, what we're doing and who we are. 
So what uh, has, yeah, what does that look like for you? What are ways that you widen so that you can be with more of that discomfort? Hmm. It's a gradual process, first of all. Uh, it has to be, uh, because otherwise that fear will become too intense and backfire. We won't, like, that capacity has to be cultivated over time. So first of all, to be patient and compassionate with oneself, it's absolutely necessary. And, and then to, to actually do the things that we fear, but do them in such a way that we are able to take care of ourselves in the process, <clears throat> you know, to not just take that big leap into the deep waters that rarely works, but to hold our own hand, take one step, pause, see how did that, how, how, how was that? Is it possible to, to keep going? Do we need to take a break? How about some deep breaths? I see you're afraid. That's okay. I'm here. You know, to have that adult, that healthy adult presence to hold the hand of the frightened part inside and, and to really bring our whole selves along all the way, even though it slows us down, because it does, it does. But it also allows us to grow in a way that won't backfire, because you can sort of make a run for it, <laughs> so to speak. You can push against the, that boundary, you can sort of take a leap and see if you can out, outrun the fear, and, and you might get quite far sometimes but at some point it will catch up and it will be worse than ever I don't want that I don't want that smack in the face when that happens I want to be able I want to grow in a pace I can handle I want to be able to hold all the parts of me as I'm doing my work, as I'm growing, as I'm becoming more visible or allowing myself to be seen more. And I can see this growth. Sometimes it feels like it's at a glacial pace almost, but I can see that. I can see that a few years back, I would not have been able to send that email and ask for help so nakedly. I would not have been able to do that because the vulnerability backlash of doing such a thing, it is fierce. Like it is for me today as well. And I sent this letter now knowing that that would happen and knowing that I will need to be here for that and that I will need to hold that and take care of myself when that happens. And I am able to do that now and I wasn't before. So I can see like over time, this growth is happening and it is always rooted in in that compassion and patience and love for myself and all the parts of me who are so damn afraid and and honestly have good reason to be they've learned to yeah. i think an important it's it's really important to to just underline that this idea that to bring our whole selves along does slow us down because mm. in in this culture of speeding up and producing as much as we possibly can in the hours that we have. And I wonder if in part uh, this whole idea of there's never enough time is because this demand that we put 
on ourselves to produce an unrealistic amount. Whereas if we could slow it down and move more at, to you, what appears, like you say, at times glacial, but perhaps that is just more accurately the speed at which we move. Not always, of course. I mean, we move at all different speeds. But if that, if moving slowly was a more accepted part in our culture, then we would probably much more willingly do this hard work, accepting that the slow is part of the process, that slow is to be expected. So I just wanted to, to come back to that and um, because we don't speak about that very much. One of the things that you said, which just ties in really beautifully to all of this, is you said this darkness is not just absence of light, it is a portal and a world of its own. And I know that if I descend into it, instead of cursing it, I will bring gifts back to the surface, rare luminous gifts, the kind that have been all but forgotten in our world. What are some, what's an example of like some of the gifts that have been forgotten that we can bring back when we do this work? I think what you just said is part of that. Uh, what happens when we allow for the pauses, uh, when we trust the timing of something, even though it's not the timing that we would like, or even if it's <clears throat> much slower than we have been led to believe that it should take and so on. Uh, when, when we allow for that, all sorts of things happen. And one of the most important parts is that we get to experience the co-creative aspect of our work. I, I, I sometimes think of it in terms of cooking, <laughs> you know, when we make a stew or a soup or something like that, and we cook it at all the things that it boil for an hour or whatever, and then it's done. Um, and we can eat it then. But if we let it rest for another 24 hours or so, and we eat it then, like the flavors have deepened, the taste is, is richer and much more delicious. It's, that's just a fact, who knows why, but that it's a fact. Mm -hmm. And we have not added anything except for time. Time did it. We didn't do anything, time did it. And when we allow for that, that's, I see that over and over again in creative work. When we try to do things according to our timelines and we push and we never take breaks and we just sort of make it happen. We're so convinced we are the ones making it happen. And all the stress that comes with that um, compared to when we trust the process that we're in, we trust the pace of the process that we're in, the rhythm that is natural to this specific work and this specific phase of my life, perhaps. This is always different. But when we, when we can 
first of all, notice it, hear it, and trust it. Then these strange things happen. Things become better even without our doing it. We go to sleep and we wake up with the answer to something. We, we're tired, so instead of pushing through, we take the weekend off. And on Monday, like we have a new reservoir to pour from. And as a result, our work gets, gets richer and deeper and more beautiful and more flavorful. And, and it has that quality that we can never quite put our finger on. It, and it's because it's not we who add it. It's not, it's not our doing. Something happened in that co-creative process. I guess I say that our work shows up to meet us, and I mean that very literally. But for that to happen, we need to make space for it. We're so busy doing, believing we are always the doers. But we're not, or at least some part of our doing must be to do the rest so that our work can do its thing. Um, so that is one aspect of that the gifts that we have forgotten, the, the gifts of taking a step back and see what happens. And the interesting thing, speaking of slowness, is that when we find that pace, now I think it was Alan Watts who said this beautiful quote, I don't have it in my head, but he, he mentioned dancing, that if you like try to outpace it, <laughs> you will lose the rhythm. And if you try to lag, lag behind, you also lose the rhythm. It's about finding that perfect timing. I find that to be true in creative work as well. And if you do, if you're able to cultivate your capacity to listen enough to hear it, to sense it in your body and to follow it and trust it, you will move with so much more ease. You will be in pace with the work. It will require a lot less effort on your part. And in those pauses, in those, ah, when we leave the work to itself, the strangest leaps can happen. Where all of a sudden something that we thought would take forever is changed and shifted. Like it has turned on a dime, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah. So the slowness is not always slow. If, if yes, you know what I mean. The slowness is sometimes the fastest way to go. Actually, well, I have such a perfect example of that because a couple of weeks ago I was working on something and it was taking me a really long time and it felt really big. Like it, it felt like it was going to take a lot more time, and I needed to get it done. And I, I went outside for a few minutes and I just felt like, no, don't work on it. No, actually, I just felt so strongly that what I needed to do was be quiet. And so I went into the garden. I just gardened for like an hour and a half, right in the middle of this time of this is when I have to get this done. And yet everything in me was saying no. So I gardened, I gardened just in silence with, with the soil, with the seeds and came all of a sudden. I was out there. I just felt this stirring, like, okay, it's time. I got up, I went into my office and this, I wrote out what I had been working on forever in one hour. I sat down, I wrote the whole thing and it was done. And 
I couldn't even, I was like, how did that even happen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I know this to be a fact these days. So like when I come, come up against that, uh, that feeling that when you're almost moving in mud, I always stop. And I usually go for a walk because that seems to uh, release things in me. Uh, and it's like almost without fault, things like these sentences pour into my head and I have to stop. I'm always standing in different spots in the forest typing on my phone because that's that's when the writing comes to me <laughs> or speaking into my phone if I can't write fast enough. Uh, and that doesn't look like working, you know, that doesn't look like doing, but it is, that is part of the dance with the work. And, and there's that inexplicable ease that can happen and also speed that can happen when we trust that dance. Yeah, it's a really fascinating back and forth between this slowing down to be part of and then it speeds up and comes out of, it's like, I mean, it's, an obvious metaphor, but the childbirth is nine months. You can't rush it. You cannot rush it. And then all of a sudden, when that baby is ready, the, in a lot of cases, the baby comes like, okay, yeah. now it's happening. Everything speeded up. Everything goes into, into now. And, um, and if you tried to have that baby come at eight months, it wouldn't work. Or if you tried to wait to 10 months, cause that's what was convenient, that wouldn't work. So mm -hmm. what is it to, to be in that flow? And that's another thing that you've talked a lot about and what feels in some ways, like it's been a, a thread to this whole conversation, but the courage to trust that whatever that is, whether it's the forest, whether it's cooking, whether it's just sitting in silence, to trust in that relationship. And I'm wondering what you have done over time, having come from work where you were hustling a lot, where you were producing a lot and then burnt out, how you developed this trust in, in this relationship, this communion with the world around you. Mm. yeah <clears throat> yeah it's been uh, I, to some extent I've been forced into it I've been a very reluctant student at times both I've always sought it out as well because I've always had that sense of uh, there's being more to the process than what we talk about or what is visible. Um, I've been writing since forever and um, I have experienced that, that flow and that deep presence and, and getting lost in, in the words and the stories. And, and uh, I was experienced that as more than me, as, being in something with something <laughs> and uh, a process of 
a process of co-creation, even though I wouldn't have used those words back then, but I always felt it and I never forgotten it. Um, but I was also thoroughly trained into uh, being a good, productive, hustling human, the way most of us are. Um, and, uh, you know, all those connections that we learn to make between worthiness and productivity and uh, to tie back to the situation I'm in right now to be independent is also very closely tied to worthiness for a lot of people to not have to ask for help to manage on our own to manage to do things fast to do things perfectly to do all those things are things that get in the way basically and I've had to sort of run into a brick wall a couple of times to have me remember. I've had to experience my actual physical capacity diminish to remember and to explore other ways of working. So if, if I can't push like before, if I can't stay up through the night anymore, or if my kids needs me in a way that doesn't allow for that kind of hustling, what then? How do I um, get my work done then? How do I show up for it with these limited resources? And, and to remember that I don't have to have all the resources. I can show up with what I have and I will be met. I know that, I know that for a fact, but I, I do forget. And I kind of think that's, that's what we do. We forget. And our work is to always come back. That is the practice, the lifelong practice to always come back. It doesn't matter that we get lost, you know, it's as long as we come back, that is the work. Getting lost is not a failure. It's just what we do. <laughs> We're very prone to getting lost. By getting back to it. And, and that's what I've been doing for many years now. Getting back to it in different ways over and over again and forgetting, exhausting myself, trying to do things in a way that isn't true for me or doesn't even work for me and trying to live up to other people's expectations and so on and getting lost in all of that, getting lost in the speed of things in this world and all of it and then coming back. Either because I had to, because I fell ill, or more and more often these days, because that's what I long for. That's that's where I want to be. And now I'm very intentional about seeking out what helps me stay in that connection. So we'll go into the last thing, but before I go into your community and how we find you, is there anything that we haven't spoken to that you want to speak to? Mm. No. Okay. Nothing that comes. No. Okay. So first, uh, the best way really to find everything out about Anna is to go to AnnaLovind.com, which is A-N-N-A-L-O-V-I-N-D.com. But I want to take a moment 
for Anna to be able to share a few words, even though you can go to the website and find all of this. It's still like for you, Anna, to take a few minutes to describe the different offerings because it's nice to have it pared down in your words. And you've already talked about it to some degree, but talk about, you can talk about whatever you want to. And then if somebody's interested, they can learn a lot more on your site. But if you want to share about Creative Doer, about Ignite, the different things that you have available. Mm, yeah. So the Creative Doer is my main offering. It has been so for a long time. Um, and it's a course in a community, which is a beautiful community of women from all over the world. And um, we're doing their creative work, all, all, all disciplines. Uh, together and being supported in the community and they also move through that creative doer course which is eight lessons about all the things we've been talking about today really both the outer work the planning how to actually get going with your work and the inner work of co-creating and fueling yourself and remembering and dealing with fear and all of that uh, it's a beautiful place and a beautiful community full of support for for that long-term work uh, and the creative doer also exists as a complete self-study course if, if you do prefer to fly solo that that's an option so and then this new ignite is is really just it's like i said before it's a membership super simple gather three times a month for a few remembering connection and all of that. It's really just our way to come back to the work. When we get lost, which we do, this is a way to come back to it over and over again and, and make that coming back easier and easier uh, every time. That's beautiful. Great. And then, as always, I offer gratitude and... I think the what's what I'm really struck by in this moment and something we've been talking about one is the speed, the slowing down, like even in the way I know you're speaking English and it's not your native language, but to the time that you take the speed at which you speak the listening that you do, the way that you listen and the way that you listen both to what I'm saying and also to, to your own response and what is coming up for you and the permission to take that time. We've spoken so much about it, but you're, you have then modeled that in just the way that you are. So that's, that's one piece. And then of course, I have to speak to you, of course, this willingness to be, it's funny, we say vulnerable and it is vulnerable. And I feel like what it is, is a willingness to be oneself, to be true to oneself, which we then 
put vulnerability, I mean, it is a vulnerable act, but, but to continue to be oneself, I think makes it a little less vulnerable as we do it. And, and we get stronger and stronger in the doing, just as you have been talking about. So I've, I'm really careful these days about who is in my world and the way that you show up is so important to have you in my world, to have you be one of those people in my world, because you remind me constantly of what it looks like to show up, to be oneself, to be honest, to be true, to give one's gifts from this place of, of real. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So thank you, Anna. Mm, thank you. Those words are a gift. And then the last thing it was, I want to read this one thing that you wrote and, and then ask a question from that. So you said, I believe so hard in women's voices and stories. I believe in the work we do and the change we create when we tell our truths, when we refuse to keep it down, when we dismiss the nonsense this world tells us is important and stop apologizing for all the things we truly aren't sorry for. I know nothing more radical than a woman who has seen through it all, the confusing and painful realities we inhabit and has somehow found the strength to give us something else her version, a woman who is hell-bent on creating this world as it should be in her own image, no more pleasing a world gone mad, the fierce beauty of a woman recognizing herself as creator. So with those words, tell me like what in your, even in the short-sightedness that you have right now, but just this vision, when you see yourself as creating the world as it should be in your own image, without pleasing, without apologizing, what in this current moment is this you? What does she look like? How is she showing up? Hmm. Well, right now, she is showing up mm-hmm. as a human, <laughs> as, as nothing more and nothing less than a human, with all the worthiness that belongs to a human, unearned, just inherent. <sighs> And, you know, creating from that space yeah, I'm, cu- I'm curious myself. I don't know what will come from that. This is this is a new level of truth, truthfulness in my own expression, in my own showing up. And I know that it will uh, infuse what I do and what I write about. And like in in a very practical way, I think it will infuse the book that I have just sort of begun 
working on my next book. Because recognizing myself as a writer, first and foremost, has also to do with, with that truthfulness. If I am a writer, then get on with writing those books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? That's being true to myself and doing that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Anna. Mm, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. I'm Daphne Cohen, and you've been listening to Beyond. If this conversation has moved you or inspired you in some way, take time with it. Let the words and the wisdom settle in. And if you feel called to share this episode with someone else, please do. And you can support this episode by going to iTunes and rating and reviewing the podcast. For all show notes and past episodes and to learn about all offerings, go to DaphneCone.com. Thank you for listening.